Welcome to Line A, Handling Hazardous Material. The Trades Access Common Core resources are licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution 4.0. The materials in these learning guides are for use by students and instructional staff and have been compiled from sources believed to be reliable and to represent best current knowledge on these subjects. These audio resources are intended to serve as a starting point for good practices and may not specify all minimum legal standards. No warranty, guarantee, or representation is made by the BC Piping Trades Articulation Committee, the British Columbia Industry Training Authority, BC Campus, or the Queen's Printer of British Columbia as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information contained in these publications. These audio resources are intended to provide basic guidelines for piping trades practices. Do not assume, therefore, that all necessary warnings and safety precautionary measures are contained in this publication and that other or additional measures may not be required. To learn more about BC Campus Open Education, visit www.open.bccampus.ca. Be advised that references to the Workers' Compensation Board of British Columbia safety regulations contained within these materials do not, may not, reflect the most recent occupational health and safety regulation. The current standards and regulation in BC can be obtained at the following website www.worksafebc.com When you hear the following sound, that will mean you are moving on to the next learning task in this module. Handle hazardous materials safely, section one. Explain the hazardous products legislation. The most important concept to remember about handling hazardous material is that you are responsible for your own safety and the safety of others. Purpose of WIMIS The Workplace Hazardous Materials Information System, or WIMIS, is Canada's national hazard communication standard. The overall purpose of WIMIS is to help ensure a safer, healthier workplace. WIMIS is also known as the right-to-know requirement. Your knowledge about the workplace is your biggest asset in successfully understanding and benefiting from WIMIS. Legislation. WIMIS is implemented through a combination of federal and provincial legislation. The main purpose of the federal WIMIS legislation is to require the suppliers of hazardous materials used in the workplace to provide health and safety information about their products as a condition of sale. The main purpose of the provincial WIMIS legislation is to require employers to obtain health and safety information about hazardous materials in the workplace and to pass this information on to workers. There are a number of pieces of federal legislation that implement WIMIS. The Hazardous Products Act places duties on suppliers to provide up-to-date labels and safety data sheets, SDSs, to their customers. The Hazardous Products Regulation, established January 30th, 2015, under the amended Hazardous Products Act, defines what a hazardous product is and sets the classifications, labeling, and required information to be found on SDSs. This regulation has replaced the previous Controlled Products Regulation, CPR, and the Ingredient Disclosure List. The Hazardous Materials Information Review Act establishes the Hazardous Materials Information Review Commission, which is the federal agency that rules on claims for exemption from disclosing confidential business information. This act also defines the type of information a supplier 
or employer may withhold from a label or SDS. The Hazardous Materials Information Review Regulations set out the criteria that the Commission uses when assessing the validity of a claim for exemption. They also set out the fees for filing a claim for exemption or appealing a decision of the Commission. Globally Harmonized System The Globally Harmonized System of Classification and Labeling of Chemicals, GHS, is an internationally agreed-upon system created by the United Nations. It was designed to replace the various classification and labeling standards used in different countries by using consistent criteria for classification and labeling on a global level. Its development began at the United Nations Rio Conference in 1992. Many countries have had different systems for classifying and labeling chemical products. Several different systems have existed even within the same country. This situation has been confusing for workers who need to understand the hazards of chemicals in order to work safely. It has also been costly for companies who have to comply with many different systems, and it has also been expensive for governments to regulate and enforce. The goal of GHS is that the same set of rules for classifying hazards and the same format and content for labels and SDSs will be adopted and used around the world. In December 2011, the Joint Action Plan for the Canada-US RRC was announced. It included a key commitment to align and synchronize implementation of common classification and labeling requirements for workplace hazardous chemicals within the mandate of the U.S. Occupational Safety and Health Administration, or U.S.-OSHA, and Health Canada. In Canada, on June 19, 2014, legislative amendments to the Hazardous Products Act, or HPA, as well as consequential and coordinating amendments to some other federal acts, including the Hazardous Materials Information Review Act, received royal assent. Health Canada then repealed and replaced the Controls Product Regulation, CPR, with the new regulations to be called the Hazardous Products Regulation, HPR, in order to implement the GHS. These changes would then result in changes to federal, provincial, and territorial occupational health and safety, OHS, legislation and regulations. WIMIS first came into effect in 1988 through a series of complementary federal, provincial, and territorial laws and regulations. The application of GHS for workplace chemicals in Canada did not fundamentally change the roles and responsibilities for suppliers, employers, and workers in WIMIS, but rather incorporated GHS elements into the existing system, which applied the new standardized classification rules, label requirements, and safety data sheets, SDS formats synchronizing WIMIS with the mandate of the Joint Action Plan. For the sake of clarity, the original WIMIS is now referred to as WIMIS 1988. The updated version is called WIMIS 2015. Hazardous Products WIMIS defines a hazardous product as a product that poses a physical or health hazard that meets or exceeds criteria for inclusion in one or more of the 31 WIMIS hazard classes. Some of those hazard classes are further divided into categories, also called types. The product suppliers classify these products and assign one or more of the appropriate pictograms or symbols that must appear on the applicable supplier labels. WIMIS provides information about many hazardous materials used in the workplace, referred to as hazardous products. Under WIMIS, workers have the right to receive information about each hazardous product they use, its identity, 
hazards, and safety precautions. This information is to be used to reduce exposure to hazardous materials. Products not covered by WMIS. Some hazardous products are covered by other legislation and therefore are either exempt or excluded from WMIS requirements. They will have labeling and hazard information meeting their legislative requirements. The products excluded from WMIS are Explosives, as defined in the Explosives Act Cosmetics, devices, drugs or foods, as defined in the Food and Drugs Act Pest Control Products, as defined in the Pest Control Products Act Consumer Products, as defined in the Canada Consumer Product Safety Act Wood or Products Made of Wood Nuclear substances within the meaning of the Nuclear Safety and Control Act that are radioactive. Hazardous waste being a hazardous product that is sold for recycling or recovery and is intended for disposal. Tobacco and tobacco products as defined in the Tobacco Act and manufactured articles. Recognition and rights and responsibilities. WMIS specifies the duties for suppliers, employers, and workers. Suppliers. Suppliers of hazardous products must ensure the products are properly classified and provide up-to-date SDSs for all hazardous products they sell or produce. If new significant data becomes available about a product, the supplier must provide an updated SDS within 90 days of becoming aware of the changes. Suppliers must also provide supplier labels on all containers of hazardous products they sell or produce. Workers. Workers must know and understand the information on all labels and SDSs. They must use the information they receive through education and training to handle hazardous products safely. Employers. Employers must ensure that there is an up-to-date SDS for each hazardous product supplied to the workplace. Copies of supplier and employer SDS must be accessible to employees. The sheets must be placed close to work areas and made available during each work shift. Workers must be taught what to look for in a data sheet. They must be given an opportunity to become familiar with the information the sheets carry. Employers are responsible for workplace labels when required. While some products covered by other legislation may be exempt from all of the WMS requirements, employers must still provide education and training on the health effects, safe use, and storage of these products. Regulators. WorkSafe BC staff administer WMIS legislation. This includes providing general information about WMIS to employers and workers, as well as ensuring compliance with both federal and provincial WMIS legislation. Hazardous product classifications. There are two groups of hazardous products, those posing physical hazards and those posing health hazards. The products within these two hazard groups are further divided into hazard classes. A hazardous product may fall into more than one hazard class. Physical hazards. The physical hazards group includes the following hazard classes. Combustible dusts. Corrosive to metals. Flammable aerosols. Flammable gases. Flammable liquids. Flammable solids. Gases under pressure. Organic peroxides. Oxidizing gases. Oxidizing liquids. Oxidizing solids. Pyrophoric gases, pyrophoric liquids, pyrophoric solids, self-heating substances and mixtures, self-reactive substances and mixtures, simple asphyxiants, substances and mixtures which, in contact with water, emit flammable gases, and physical hazards not otherwise classified.
health hazards. The health hazards group includes the following hazard classes. Acute toxicity, aspiration hazard, biohazardous infectious materials, carcinogenicity, germ cell mutagenicity, reproductive toxicity, respiratory or skin sensitization, serious eye damage or eye irritation, skin corrosion or irritation, specific target organ toxicity, single exposure, specific target organ toxicity, repeated exposure, health hazards not otherwise classified. Hazard categories. Within each hazard class, there will be at one category or type. Categories use numbers, whereas types use letters. Some hazard classes may have only one category within them. The categories will give the severity of the hazard within the class. For example, a category 1 oxidizing liquid is more hazardous than a category 2 oxidizing liquid. In some cases, the categories may be broken into subcategories. For example, 1A and 1B. In this case, 1A would be greater hazard than 1B. There are some exceptions to the rule of categories identifying the level of hazard severity. For example, for the gases under pressure hazard class, the hazard categories are compressed gas, liquefied gas, refrigerated liquefied gas, and dissolved gas. These categories relate to the physical state of the gas when packaged and do not describe the degree of hazard. Handle hazardous materials safely, section 2. Describe the key elements of WMIS. After a hazardous product has been classified, the following three WMIS elements are used to communicate health and safety information. Number one, labeling. Number two, safety data sheets or SDS. Number three, education and training. Labeling. When a supplier produces or imports a hazardous product for distribution and sale in Canada, that supplier must prepare a label that must be clearly and prominently displayed on the container. These labels are the first alert to users about the major hazards of the product. They also outline basic precautions that should be taken. The label shown in Figure 1 is one example of an acceptable supplier label. Safety Data Sheets a safety data sheet is a technical bulletin that provides specific hazard information, safe handling information, and emergency procedures for a hazardous product. Since the SDS contains detailed health and safety information specific to each hazardous product, it should be used as a key source of information for developing training programs and safe work procedures. It is also a valuable reference source of health and safety information for workers, health and safety committees, and emergency service personnel. Education and training. The employer provides education and training for workers so that they can work safely with and near hazardous products. Workers need to know how WMIS works, the dangers of hazardous products in their workplace, and the procedures they must follow to work safely with the products. Workers should be able to answer these questions for every hazardous product they work with. What are the hazards of the product? How do I protect myself from those hazards? What do I do in case of emergency? Where can I get further information?
handle hazardous materials safely, Section 3. Describe the labeling of controlled products. Two types of labels are required by WMIS, supplier labels and workplace labels. In general, suppliers are responsible for providing supplier labels and employers are responsible for providing workplace labels or other means of on-site identification. Employers must also ensure that all labels at their workplace are legible and that they are replaced if damaged. Supplier labels. When a supplier produces or imports a product for distribution and sale in Canada, that supplier must prepare a supplier label. Seven items of information must be included within the label border. Number one, product identification, often the brand name, chemical name, trade name, common name, or generic name of the hazardous product. Number two, initial supplier identifier, the name, address, and phone number of the supplier, manufacturer, distributor, or importer. Hazard pictograms, one or more of the nine graphic images indicating the type of hazards the product presents. Signal words, danger is used for high-risk hazards. Warning is used for less severe hazards. If a signal word is assigned to a hazard class and category, only the one single word corresponding to the class of the most severe hazard should be used on the label. Some hazard classes or categories do not have a signal word assigned to them. Hazard statements. Standardized phrases assigned to each hazard class and category that alert workers to the specific hazards of the product. These are short statements, but they describe the most significant hazards of the product. Some examples of hazard statements are Extremely flammable gas Contains gas under pressure, may explode if heated Fatal if inhaled Causes eye irritation May cause cancer Precautionary statements, standardized phrases that describe measures to be taken to minimize or prevent adverse effects resulting from exposure to the product or improper handling or storage. These statements can include instructions about storage, handling, first aid, personal protective equipment, and emergency measures. Examples of precautionary statements are Keep container tightly closed Wear protective gloves, protective clothing, eye protection, or face protection. If exposed or concerned, get medical advice or attention. Fight fire remotely due to the risk of explosion. Protect from sunlight. Supplemental label information may include supplemental information about precautionary actions, physical state, or routes of exposure. Also, if the product is a mixture that contains any ingredients with unknown toxicity in amounts higher than 1%, the label must include a statement indicating the percentage of unknown ingredient. See the example of a supplier label in Figure 1. Additional requirements for supplier labels include only the above seven information items can be printed within the WMIS label. Other information, such as directions for use, must be placed outside the WMIS label. The written information must be shown in both English and French. The information must be correct and current. Labels need to be updated within 180 days of the supplier being aware of any significant new data. If an employer purchases a product within this 180-day time period, supplier must inform the employer in writing of the changes and the date they become available. Employers need to update the existing labels or the information on the containers as soon as the supplier provides the significant new information. 
Colors that conflict with transportation of dangerous goods, or TDG, labeling cannot be used. For example, the color orange cannot be used because it is used by TDG to identify explosives. The label must stand out from the container itself and other markings on the container. For example, the size of the label should be appropriate for the size of the container. As long as a hazardous product remains in its supplier-provided container, the supplier label must remain attached to the container and must be legible. Other supplier labels. Some supplier labels may look different from the example shown in Figure 1 because less information is required for controlled products that are in small containers, less than 100 milliliters, chemicals from laboratory chemical suppliers, laboratory samples, contained or transferred in a piping system, vessel, or tank. The Transportation of Dangerous Goods Act may require additional labels during transport. For multi-container shipments, a supplier label is not required on the outer container if a TDG label is present. Only the inner containers require supplier labels. Workplace labels. Workplace labels are required on containers of hazardous products for any of the following situations. A hazardous product is produced and used on-site. On secondary containers after a product has been transferred from the original container. On containers where the supplier label is missing or not readable, workplace labels provide three types of information. Number one, product identifier. Number two, specific safe handling information and personal protective clothing and equipment required. Number three, reference to the SDS, if an SDS has been produced by the supplier. The format for workplace labels is fairly flexible. For example, the information can be written directly onto the container using a permanent marker. The languages used can be chosen to fit the specific workplace. The hazard pictograms are optional. Figure 2 shows an example of a workplace label. Other means of identification. In some circumstances where workplace labels are impractical, employers may use other means of identification such as warning signs, symbols, placards, and coding systems. For example, using colors, numbers, or letters. These can be used as long as the identification system is communicated effectively and understood by workers. These other means of identification can be used when the product is used in a laboratory, for example, in transfer containers such as beakers and flasks, transferred by a worker into a container for use during the same shift if that worker maintains control of the new container and finishes use in that shift, Contained in a transfer or reaction system, such as a pipe, reaction vessel, tank car, or conveyor belt. Identified as a hazardous waste produced in the workplace. Partially exempt products. Products covered by other federal legislation are exempt from federal WMIS requirements for supplier labels and SDSs. However, provincial WMIS legislation still applies and employers must provide workers with hazard information about the product, educate workers about the hazards of the product, educate and train workers in the safe use, handling, storage, and disposal of the product. These partially exempt products are some consumer products such as chemicals and pressurized containers, cosmetics, medical devices, drugs and foods, Foods and Drugs Act, explosives, Explosives Act, pesticides, Pest Control Products Act, Radioactive Substances, Nuclear Safety and Control Act. Completely exempt products. 
Products that are completely exempt, sometimes called excluded, from both federal and provincial women's legislation are still covered by general provincial occupational health and safety regulations. Workers must still be trained and supervised in the safe handling of these products. These completely exempt products are wood and products made of wood, manufactured articles such as appliance and car batteries, tobacco and products made of tobacco, goods handled, offered, for transport or transported under the Transportation of Dangerous Goods Act, hazardous wastes. They must be identified at workplaces where they are produced. Handle hazardous materials safely, Section 4. Describe information to be disclosed on an SDS. A safety data sheet or SDS is a technical bulletin created by the producer of a hazardous product. An SDS provides a specific hazard information, safe handling information, and emergency procedures for a single hazardous product. The SDS is a key part of the WIMIS program as it provides informational support to workers when working with or around a hazardous product. Since the SDS contains detailed health and safety information specific to each hazardous product, it should be used as a key source of information for developing training programs and safe work procedures. Workers must be trained to understand the basic requirements of an SDS as well as the applicable information in it. In addition to providing adequate education, employers are responsible for making SDSs available, accurate, and up-to-date for all workers at all times. Employers must ensure that up-to-date SDSs are received for all hazardous products purchased. No SDS on site can be more than three years old unless the employer has written confirmation from the supplier that the SDS hasn't changed. If the employer produces a hazardous product for use at the workplace, the employer must develop an SDS for that product and make it available to workers. Copies of supplier and employer SDSs must be readily accessible to employees during each work shift. SDS sections. The following are the 16 sections, headings within an SDS, and the types of information to be provided in each section. Section 1. Identification. This section identifies the product, the manufacturer, and the supplier, and it describes the intended product use. It also provides information about where to contact the manufacturer and supplier for information and or in case of emergency. Section 2. Hazard Identification. This section lists the classification of the hazardous product, hazard pictogram, signal word, hazard statement, and precautionary statements for each category or subcategory applicable and other hazards known to the supplier with respect to the product. Section 3. Composition, Information on Ingredients. This section contains general information on physical and chemical properties, such as the chemical name, common name, and synonyms, CAS registry number and any unique identifiers, mixture concentrations, or stabilizing additives. Section 4, First Aid Measures. This section lists specific instructions for the immediate treatment of a worker who has inhaled or swallowed the product or who has had skin or eye contact with the product. Section 5, Firefighting Measures. This section lists the information for developing strategies and procedures to deal with fire hazards. Section 6, Accidental Release Measures. 
This section includes information on required protective equipment, as well as on how to safely clean up and contain spills. Section 7, Handling and Storage. This section includes information on how to safely handle and store the product. Section 8, Exposure Controls and Personal Protection. This section includes information on how to control exposure as well as exposure limit values. Section 9, Physical and Chemical Properties. This section includes information on all the physical and chemical properties of the hazardous product. Section 10, Stability and Reactivity Data. This section lists conditions and other substances that should be avoided to prevent dangerous reactions. Section 11, Toxicological Information. This section identifies how the substance enters the body and the possible health effects from single or repeated exposure. It also identifies if the product has any known long-term health effects such as liver or kidney damage, sensitization, cancer, or reproductive effects. Section 12, Ecological Information. This section identifies what short or long-term effects the substance could have on the environment. Section 13, Disposal Considerations. This section includes information on the safe handling and disposal methods, including any containment packaging required. Section 14, Transport Information. This section includes all of the necessary international shipping information. Section 15, Regulatory Information. This section includes any safety, health, and environmental regulations that have been made specific to this product. Section 16, Other Information. This section includes the date of the latest version of the safety data sheet. Handle Hazardous Materials Safely, Section 5. Identify pictograms found on women's labels. Pictograms are graphic images that immediately show you what type of hazard a hazardous product presents. Manufacturers and suppliers classify the products into one or more of the hazard classes and assign one or more of the appropriate pictograms. Pictograms will be on the product supplier labels of the hazardous products as well as on the SDSs. Workers must recognize the 10 hazard pictograms and know what they mean. Most pictograms have a distinctive red border in the shape of a square set on one of its corners. Inside this border is a symbol that represents the potential hazard. Example, fire, health hazard, corrosive, etc. With a quick glance, a worker can see, for example, that the product is flammable or it might be a health hazard. Hazard classes, categories, and pictograms. Figure 1 shows each hazard pictogram, its name, hazard description, and the associated hazard classes and categories. An environmental hazard group exists in the GSS for products that may cause damage to the aquatic environment. This groups and its classes were not adopted in WIMIS 2015. However, you may see the environmental pictogram, figure 2, listed on labels and SDSs. Hazard classes and categories without pictograms. There are hazardous products that meet the criteria for a hazard class or category, but whose classes and categories do not require a pictogram. The product label and section 2 Hazards identification of the SDS will require the signal word, hazard statements, and other required label elements. WIMIS 2015 classes and categories do not require a pictogram are 
Flammable gases, category two. Flammable liquids, category four. Self-reactive substances and mixtures, type G. Organic peroxides, type G. Combustible dusts, category one. Simple asphyxiants, category one. Serious eye damage, eye irritation, category 2B. Reproductive toxicity, effects on or via lactation. Handle hazardous materials safely. Section 6. Explain WMIS education and training. The third component of WMIS is worker education and training. The information provided by labels and SDSs will be of little use unless workers can understand it and apply it through training. Employer Responsibilities Employers must establish an education program for their workers to ensure that workers understand WMIS and the hazards of the hazardous products they work with or near. Education programs about WMIS must be followed up with job-specific training in safe work procedures for handling, storing, and disposing of these hazardous products. Worker representatives or the Health and Safety Committee must be consulted in developing, implementing, and reviewing education and training programs. Difference between education and training. WMIS education explains how WMIS works, what an SDS is, what information is on a WMIS label, and other information about WMIS. WMIS training refers to hands-on job-specific training. Training shows individuals how to work safely with the hazardous products in a particular workplace. Education. Worker education must include instruction in the content, purpose, and significance of workplace and supplier labels and SDSs. Workers can be educated through classroom instruction or by using videos or computer programs. Education courses can be offered on-site by employers, offered through contracted specialized companies, or through continuing studies at a local training facility. WMIS education can also be completed and tested online. Certification. Some industries, such as construction, offer WMIS cards or certificates to participants who complete their WMIS education program. Such cards and certificates are useful for workers who move regularly from site to site, enabling them to prove to new employers that they have attended WMIS education sessions. However, Job-specific training at each work site is still required for all workers who work with or near hazardous products. Job-specific training. Employees must be trained in the procedures specific to their workplace. These include which hazardous products they could be exposed to in their workplace, how to store, handle, use, or dispose of hazardous products in their workplace, emergency procedures in the event of an accident or spill, Implementing WMIS in the Workplace To implement the WMIS program and develop written safe work procedures, employers make use of supplier labels and SDSs, as well as their own knowledge of the hazardous properties of products and their use in the workplace. The main hazards of the products in the two hazard groups. Hazardous properties for the physical hazard classes. This list shows the main concerns for the 18 hazard classes found in the physical hazard grouping. Hazardous properties for the health hazard classes. This list shows the main concerns for the 12 hazard classes found in the health hazard grouping. Written safe work procedures. 
Employees are required to write safe work procedures as safety guidelines for workers who will handle hazardous products. Safe work procedures address the specific hazards of the hazardous product and how it is safely used in the workplace. The written procedure must contain enough detail to provide clear direction to authorized workers. The following steps outline the written safe work procedure to be used by authorized workers for cleanup of small spills of acetone, about one liter, for a particular worksite. Safe work procedure for cleanup of acetone spills. Number one, extinguish and control all ignition sources, including electrical services, open flames, and electrostatic discharge. Number two, evacuate workers to the designated safe location. Number three, report the spill to your supervisor. Number four, get the waste containers and spill cart. Number five, put on the respirator, butyl rubber gloves, and safety goggles. Number six, clean up the acetone using chemical absorbent pillows from the spill cart according to the manufacturer's instructions. Number seven, do not flush or rinse the spilled acetone into the sewer system. Number eight, place used absorbent pillows containing acetone in designated waste containers. Number nine, Dispose of used chemical absorbent pillows according to local waste disposal procedures. General precautions when using common hazardous materials. Employers should take note of the following general precautions. Some common materials are considered safe to use under normal operation, but may change to hazardous materials under certain conditions. These include fresh concrete, pressure-treated wood, contact cement, paints, and cleaners. Some substances are flammable as well as toxic. Use products such as contact cement and certain paints that are highly flammable in well-ventilated work areas that contain no open flame. Many substances are harmless by themselves, but when combined, they release toxic fumes. Two common household cleaning agents, ammonia and bleach, when mixed together will produce toxic chlorine gas. It is best not to mix any chemicals found on the job site unless you are absolutely certain that the combined mixture will not be harmful. Sometimes, chemical changes are triggered by heat or radiation. The ultraviolet radiation from a welding operation can transform the vapors of many common solvents into the deadly gas phosgene. Many plastics and vinyl resins are harmless in their normal state but give off highly toxic smoke when burnt. Many paints and cleaners come in aerosol cans that use pressure to release their contents. These cans should not be kept near heat or exposed to flames. Empty cans should be disposed of properly, never burned. The containers are explosive and the residual contents are often highly flammable. Charges for powder-actuated tools are often used in shops and on construction sites and are potentially dangerous. These products are supplied in plastic strips or plastic boxes. Live charges that are dropped on the floor or strips discarded with live charges in them can be dangerous. If sweeping and garbage are burnt on the site, the charges will explode when heated, which could injure anyone near the fire.